Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Jack Chu is the CEO of Funders Token. And as you can probably guess from the name, the next 30 minutes are going to be about blockchain. So what are we going to talk about? Well, what Jack and Funders Token are doing are making blockchain accessible and as much as the blockchain software stack has been built on honest and very open source intentions, the problem is that it makes it difficult to standardize any kind of integrations on blockchain, especially for enterprise. So we're going to learn in the next 30 minutes about how Jack and Funders Token are hoping to add some level of standardization on the blockchain. And Jack also shares with us some timelines about how blockchain will actually impact the lives of normal people, people who don't even know what the blockchain is. So sit back and enjoy the next 30 minutes as we jump into the world of blockchain and learn about how it's evolving and how it will eventually change society. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown, joined by in the virtual Asia Tech Podcast studio, Jack Chu, CEO of Funders Token. Jack, welcome. Thank you very much, Karam. Ah, very nice seeing you here. Yeah, it's good. So where are you in the world? I know recently you were in London. Are you in London today or back in Singapore? Well, I just flew to Singapore and I visit Hong Kong for a few days just before the horrifying typhoon and I come back to Taiwan to sort out my technology development operation. Right. And I guess my next destination is Hong Kong again. <laughs> is that where you're based? Well, actually, our technical team is based in Taiwan, and I right. travel quite frequent to Hong Kong, to Tokyo, and to London because we have three places of the office, mm. and basically headquartered with our accounting and legal teams are all in Singapore. So yeah. that's why we're based in Singapore. So I really have no... I base in Taiwan and Singapore, but I really have no like very strong point like where I stay. Yeah, exactly. Up in the air mostly, probably in a hotel, in an airport <laughs> somewhere. Well, where are you from originally, Jack? Well, Taipei. Taipei. But I studied in the UK before, so yeah. I perhaps got a little bit accent around there. Yeah, but Warwick, wasn't it, that you were studying? <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Okay, Amazing good. time. Well, great. We'll, we'll talk about that in your journey. We'll talk about Funders Token. Um, Obviously, curious to hear about your thoughts on Asia as well in terms of how things are developing in blockchain, because you know yeah. it's a market of many different speeds, isn't it? Maybe we can start first by talking about Funders Token. What is it all about? Well, it's just very simple. We think it as the IBM or AWS of blockchain. We are the globe first industrialized blockchain company. Use modularization methodology. So we create a group of standards to make all the components become settled and with the interrelationship. When people come in, when they need anything, we just change the factory rules, the configurations to make them all working function, like functional, functionally like mm. achievable. Mm. 
and to so for a client such as bank, they don't have to think about very very technical questions because of the standards and modules. They will understand. Oh, this is a behavior called moving data. This is behavior called settlement of data. They can understand in human logic instead of technology logic, so they can quick update and be manageable into the future development. Right. Okay. So you you describe this as the IBM or AWS of blockchain. Uh, exactly. Let, let's take AWS because that's obviously probably a more up-to-date example. Why, why, exactly. do we, why do we need an AWS of blockchain? What's missing? Well, let's, let's talk about the very strong core about internet. So when internet just comes up, internet is a protocol basically to help everyone to talk to everyone. When you have only one person, there's nothing important in internet. Same as blockchain. If you have one party, there's no decentralization. It's just you. There's no such thing called blockchain. And it's using protocol to make the data transition more successful. So if you really look back to the core of the technology, they are both protocol. But in internet, which is 1990s being developed, we only think about the importance of delivery of data, mm. delivery of data transition. But now it's 2000, almost 20. 30 years after, we got big data, we got AI data, we got IoT data, we got all the data flowing around with a privacy issue like GDPR, with like a MIFID 2 like regulation-based like audits we need to follow up, all the compliance. So accountable uh, and accountability of data transition become more and more important nowadays. And blockchain is the key to solve that problem and the last puzzle to use the right way to manage data to make it not lack costly compared to the original methodology such as database traditional database it's not logical enough we put those control into the protocol into the communication process between machines instead of we create a lot of different gateways and all the gateways control different things and need to understand each other we need the consistency of that and that's how blockchain comes up mm. so if internet and blockchain are so similar so right now people are looking at the application in the too early stage it's just like in 1995 or 1998 people are thinking about doing mobile app well it's doable just after 10 years but you still need 10 years right so we need some standard strong standard instead of just piece of code at this stage very early stage Mm. Right now, every blockchain company is writing smart contracts and ledgers just by code and code and code, by customizations. But the key point is, how do we make this code, these programs, become manageable in the future? Development in IT never turns out a problem. The problem is always the maintenance. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so that's why to me, at Jack, this time it's very important. Explain yes. to me, Jack, that blockchain is not a standard. You're saying there isn't a standardized procedure or the standardized gateways here. What you're trying to do is write those in to try and tidy up much of these applications which interface with blockchain, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So why, why wasn't that built from day one? Why wasn't that in there as a standard from the offset? Oh, because the key point is standard doesn't make any money. Right. Standard is a tough work. You are going to tell everyone who is qualified, who is not qualified. Mm -hmm. standard, standard is something really harsh to talk about and never makes money. 
Because when you put the standard, yourself got to meet it. Mm-hmm. So when we, we all understand last year, the cryptocurrency is so crazy. The only thing we have to do at last year is about telling people a dream and not to be realistic because it kills the moment that people want to invest. Mm. But does it change nowadays? Bubble's gone, market turns rational. We're looking at how we are going to use it. And now standardization and the standards of good stuff is very, very important. Mm. And we want to deliver it strongly and effectively, efficiently. So we cannot keep doing coding to meet all the standards. We have to have a system, a structure, methodologies to deliver it. Mm. So let me understand, I mean, in terms of the workload in development, if you were developing for blockchain, what sort of percentage of a developer's workload is focused on standardizing what isn't there already? I mean, are we sort of going back to the old days when people produced mobile apps, like you said, where you know how you had 200 different form factors, different operating systems, and people just sort of, you know, they were faced with having to produce maybe 80 or 90 different versions of their game to cover the market, right? Where are we now with blockchain? Well, I would take a rather easier way to describe it. So it's just like 1995 to to 2000, like everyone is doing their own in-house server to buy machines, computers, and settle the in-house intranet in the buildings. Mm. Not until not until the telecom company and IBM co-work together with the modules to output the products based on clients' need. It's product based on clients' need instead of just customized clients' needs. So nowadays in blockchain development, they consult clients because they need the domain knowledge and think about the pain point, work on the pain point, but not going back to the definition. So, okay, you want uh, my ledger to use it in this way. You want to store those data. You want those data to be secure. Okay, I will write this piece of code. And after define all the things, write up all piece of codes. And then I have to write the connectivity, which is API stuffs like application interfaces to connect to the traditional like server, like database. You still have to connect with the traditional one. And then you go into the in the real interface to humans, such as app and everything. So the entire process become very long just by understanding the needs or what data need to be secure in blockchain. Mm. This piece is just huge. Where are we now? I mean, help us understand where we are in the general evolution of blockchain. I know you've drawn a lot of parallels. You've drawn parallels with the internet. You've drawn parallels with telecoms. Where are we now with blockchain? Are we still, uh, I mean, you know, obviously we, where we're doing this recording now, we're sort of at the, the, the wrong side of the bubble. Like the infant on client's hand. Still like the infant. Like the infants on client uh, on mom, mother's hand, right. or even nurse hand, even not in mom's hand. Well, so what can, mom, happens next? What what happens next in terms of the the evolution? What are the next steps? What will come? You're talking about standardization. What comes after that? So I would say uh, right now we're talking about public chain, public blockchain, like Ethereum, like Bitcoin. But I mean, surely people will understand more about enterprise solution. How enterprise is going to make their own cross-party structure. So in blockchain, there's very important things called consensus algorithm. So basically, 
we are trying to create consensus among machines to make machine talk to each other and to secure all the data settlement and transition. And now in the blockchain world, people are still debating what kind of consensus is the best. But we forgot one thing, just one thing. Consensus is the trust structure that human needs. So every parties, every different domain has different consensus in their working load. So we must first embrace the agility of creating consensus structure and consensus algorithm to create a blockchain that really suitable to different companies. And right now, then we can after that to create some gateway or inter-blockchain to make them all connect together. Then finally, it looks like internet. So we are just at the very beginning, really, really beginning stage. And without modularization, they will never move to the next stage. Because how can we fast like deploy all those different consensus or design all those consensus for different clients? We need one very strong or few very strong standards to understand, okay, when you comes in, you say you have five different parties telling me need the trustworthy data transactions. Okay, I will use Ethereum framework, but change the permission chain structure to make you all the parties trusting each other. So we have to first achieve that. But even right now at this stage, it's very, very early stage because the deployment cost is really, really high and mandate is really, really long because they are all writing piece of codes and they will always worry about what about in the future. If I want to add up or change the features, how can I do that? And this is the problem we are solving at this moment. So one of the challenges facing blockchain at the moment is beyond what you've discussed, discussed is actually interpreting that for if I dare say, the real world, which is people who blockchain doesn't mean anything right here, right now. So, you know, the challenge is, is that when we talk blockchain, we engage in a discussion where there are established language, there's established acronyms and terms, and we get them. We understand how all of this sort of connects together and we can kind of see the bigger picture. However, if we were to take all of that away and then take that to the person in the street, my grandma, for example, I'm always curious to know who is able to tell me, you know, when will this impact the lives of people around us? So beyond the people who are actually developing blockchain, when you talk about us at a very early, early stage of this development of blockchain, at what point will my grandma, for example, actually have a life changed in some way or impacted by what we are doing here? I would say 2022, um, around four to five years after. So, for example, right now, all the transactions among um, banks and all the money in paper, they are not digitalized. And all the information are not strong and connective in, connect, connected enough at this point. So when your grandma really understands what is blockchain, that would be the first point when we see the news and see there's a guy who uh, steals 200 million British pounds from a bank and escape to somewhere in South Africa and go to somewhere else back in Europe 
And that news established and say, because we have the technology to trace the money and to finally understand who those money comes out and with all the connectivities and the route and who paid the responsibility to support this guy to run away. And finally, we grab him. And then your grandma will see the news and say, damn, this is a good technology. This amazing. It just, it just nowadays we can chase the responsibility of the internet behavior and, and my money won't get stolen. Mm-hmm. Not until that day. But we, I mean, that's, that's okay looking at the news, but when will it actually impact her? When will her life change? When will blockchain actually change what she does as opposed to what happens on the news? And that will come up into 2030. Mm-hmm. Around 12 years, we still need because we need some infrastructure from IoT. We need some infrastructure from uh, from the AI and the big data settlement and the digital like identification recognition system. So your grandma will notice that, oh, right now, all the recognition system can understand my face, understand my fingerprint, but there's no government can directly enter my account. So it's very safe. I feel very safe thanks to the new internet. Not necessary to call it blockchain. Blockchain is a buzzword when we try to do some technology marketing. It's a very technical word. But if we really want to let your grandma understand, we call it the accountable new internet. Right. She won't well, understand that. To this Jack, one. she won't yeah. understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she won't understand yeah, yeah. that. I want to know what sort of, I mean, for example, let's go back. I remember in the 70s, 1970s, my, I'm talking about my grandma who's passed away now. She remember she said to me, Look, in the future, and she was showing me a TV. She said, in the future, you will be able to look at this TV and you you will be able to order your shopping on it. And I was maybe like six or seven years old. So this was like the late 70s, right? And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Mm, but exactly. I, I can never imagine that. But that's something so far in the future, I can't imagine that ever happening. I was only seven at the time anyway. However, that is reality today, and it's been reality now for 10 years. It's like I can actually go onto my computer and order everything from my grocery to a taxi, right? So I yes. want to know, that that shows the full circle. Is that actually is like impacting my life. I mean, where is it going to... You said 2030 with blockchain. That's a long way away. You know, where... You know, is that where is that how long it's going to take before we start to see this really change our behavior and what we do in our daily lives? Well, into daily life, I do think we take that long because right now, if you want to use blockchain technology to imagine the future, then I'll go back to a movie in 2000 by Tom Cruise. And when he walked around the street and you can see throughout all the shops, just scan him and just got all his information, but only he can receive those informations. And that's going to happen in the future because everyone wants more convenient and controlled life on their own. But without involving all the hand stuff or sitting down and moving, even using your finger on your mobile, nowadays looks commonly and amazingly. But in the future, it might not be necessarily. Mm. And that's going to be impact by blockchain. How? Because, I mean, that kind of exists now with VR or AR, for example. Why does What does blockchain do to that? Because... Your data, again, back again, Mm. your data is going to be secure and private under blockchain structure. It will never be achieved under the current internet structure. So because of that, who can access your data, who can come in to see your data need to be preset in the protocol, which is the very, very basic basic and very, very techy part. And with that secure setting, then 
regulation will release the possibility of using AI recognition and IoT stuff to control your data in your regular life. So those technology are just the gateway to get data. But to get the permission of the data and security of the data, that's blockchain do. So just like originally, we all have the behavior of eating noodles and shopping. But without internet, we cannot do virtual shopping. And now, without blockchain, it's very tough or even not allowed to do like direct information grabbing, like capturing. You cannot do that. Mm. So the stores cannot just, when you walk in, just get who you are because they are not allowed. Mm. But with the right mechanism, we are allowed. So that's going to happen in the future with blockchain around 2030, I guess. It mm. should take some time because it got to implement into different area, just like internet take 20 years to make today, but it's still successful. So when you're talking about, for example, AI or IoT or AR and VR, these technologies generate massive data sets, which are also yes. tied to an individual. So AI, obviously, for example, like your behavior or patterns of your behavior, IoT, all the devices you interact with or pass by or your location and so on. And AI, VR, sort of your interaction with your environment around here. So you're generating a lot of data which is connected to you. So in the current structure, the Internet is not set up to do that, as you mentioned, yes. because it's, it's old school technology and it didn't envisage a world where you know, you may have one individual with a billion sets of data attached to them, right? So yes. what you're saying is that with blockchain, it's absolutely necessary for those technologies to have blockchain to better, you know, function properly in the future. Okay? They have to otherwise... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because right now, the they are all the technology, not just with the data. They are the technology with the interactive data. That's the key point. Their data is going to store somewhere and send to somewhere to be processed and go to somewhere else to tell someone to do something. And that's the problem. It's not just about the data itself, right? It becomes the moving data, what we call this information. So the data transition. So when I try to, for example, AI, I get those data, which is fine, and I use deep learning to, from IoT, I grab those data. And from AI, the deep learning, I grab out a pattern and I send back to the AR system or VR system in the client front end to let them see what they want to see. But some personal information in between should be protected, will never be accessed through some parties. How do we use very effective way to, to make this accessibility become controllable. So for example, there's one data from A to B to C. They need three times verification. But now with blockchain, because it's decentralized verification, so you just A to C gateway directly. In the middle, let's say everyone will check it. So you don't have three layers of control. You just have one layers. Mm. And it's massive reduce. It's massive reductions in the entire process of of the internet or data transition load. And that's the only thing blockchain solve right. now. Can we look at that in the context? For example, I know you have a background in deep learning and um, myself as an AI graduate back in the, the 90s for my sins. Oh. I know exactly, people don't. Um, 
so we know, for example, that there are many uh, examples where um, AI is applied to facial recognition. Yes. And you've already mentioned yourself, Jack, about retailers. You know, when you walk into the retail store, the the store owner can recognize a face and therefore recognize you as a customer. And, you know, that can be a very positive thing in terms of a, a customer experience. We also hear the flip side of that, the negativity as well, about the scare stories about, you know, all that kind of facial recognition data being held by one entity or one company and so on. I believe in China, the biggest facial recognition um, company has two billion data sets. You know, mm. there's not even a billion people in China as an example. But they've achieved that effectively without blockchain to some degree, right? How, yes. how do you explain that? Because they would argue that it's worked and we now have all this information. We've done it without having to put it on the distributed blockchain, right? Why do we need to now go and consider having this, like you say, some sort of like decentralized ledger to store all this information? I will start with a very simple point from identity. Because it's accountable, so everyone into this internet got to have their own appointed identity. So right now, every single data set, how we're going to manage those data set into the right people, we use the index systems. And the index system is just like the ledger. Very similar. We can manage that all around with different database, same schema, and what if I want to update one database? Will it apply to all the database? How do we recognize all the database can, can work around properly? So in, in this case, I, I cannot directly say the evidence, but from the experience of Jack Ma from China, which is the CEO of Alibaba, himself mentioned the same thing in uh, Alipay. In Alipay, they got few billions identity structure mm, mm. and a data set. And originally internet, the, the internet protocol, the IP system, the IP is floating, or even you make it accountable or set, it's just a source of code, but it's not unique. But right now, if we want to really locate someone in the internet space, we need to have something unique. And like with the hash code, which is, um, being we call it being hashed by some like security formulations, and bec because of this, everyone in the internet space is really unique, and we can use the second layer of the dis distributed ledger, and everyone has one to understand who you are, and then to manage further data transitions and all the structure. Again, back into the example in the ABC from A to B to C become A to C to make it leaner. So it's not about the sitting down data. So you say 2 billion face recognition data. When they are sitting in the database, they are totally safe. But when we want to access, we want to create accessibility to it. We want access to it. We want to, we want to authorize people to visit or we want to know who has the authority to visit the data. We don't want to do it manually. We don't want to keep writing different database or server to control it. We want to pre-authorize in the protocol and to make right people or right entity just by one registration and the improvable like system. For example, quick example, you yourself, 
your DNA is your organic identity. It's just like in blockchain, the wallet, the public address. And if you have a kid, you are Papa. It's the given identity. Graham, your name is your, your given identity. And in blockchain, the same. We all have a wallet. Um, the public address as my native identity, organic identity, and I can use Ledger to use different layers of control. So that's why we can create a new data structure and with secure way and even better with cross parties. So like in China, like one bill, one road involves several countries. We can make the data accessibility finally united. There's a little bit of the track, but mm. let's go back to the two billion data set. When they sit down, they're, they're all right. But when we want to control all the movement, all the transitions, or who can see or who can't see, the cost is enormously growing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating area. I mean, you've already mentioned One Belt, One Road as an example. And now that we are in a very interesting space here in Asia, I want to know your thoughts on how... Asia is developing generally in the blockchain space. Let's put cryptocurrency aside and just talk about blockchain. You know, you obviously have experience Hong Kong, I guess a bit of China as well. You're based in Taiwan, or you were yes. based in Taiwan, sorry. You have um, a company registered in Singapore and you spent a lot of time in the UK. So you've seen a lot of different markets. What's going on yeah. at the moment? Can you sort of, for those outside of Asia, maybe, or even those inside of Everett, maybe sort of share with us your view on where are we now in Asia with blockchain development and compared to the rest of the world? So if you can identify which markets are probably the most proactive, which are the well, most interesting? For me, right now, the most proactive two markets, first is Japan, uh, Tokyo, and second is Thailand, Bangkok. But in Bangkok, there's a very strong development team there, so their domestic is quite um, proactive. In Japan, it's different. They have strong and huge market and huge money. And they really, really need, in the society structure they have, they really want the cross-party system to be existed. So they can create a very fast production line, very fast like cash flow and the value stream in different parties, like a supply chain control. That's in Japan. The market is enormous, but in Japan, the issue is because of language barrier, they cannot easily get a lot of client, um, a lot of tech supplier or tech vendors over there. Mm. So that's the most interesting market that I'm looking at. And I quite spend a lot of time. I got a few clients over there. Mm. Well, it's really difficult to do business with Japanese. They need a lot of check yeah, and yeah. a lot of due diligence of technology. But yeah, in Asia, Japan is a really different market, Japan and Korea. They're really looking at the very technical application before the very surface application. Like people can directly use it with decentralized applications. They're not looking at it at this moment. They're more into how to fix our data problem from the beginning. And when we start to change the basic structure, what else augmentation we can do? So that's happening in Japan and the research right on. Mm. And in China and in, in Hong Kong as well, they're more into still e-commerce shopping experience so payment is still one of the big area 
So it sometimes involves cryptocurrency, sometimes just involves the backend strategy. And also some identity management, so which is the government is working on, Alipay is working on, and they got the pattern for it. And in South Southeast Asia side, like like Cambodia, or they're they're doing new infrastructures, they're building up new buildings, so they want to open up something like um, the data control system, the data center, the new data center with blockchain. So with the smart city control, for example, when people got the passport comes into Cambodia or somewhere else, if they go to the city center, they will get their own new Cambodian identity card backed by blockchain mm. uh, with multiple party, different banks also include different governments such as Singapore, such as Hong Kong government to evolve, to host the machine, to become part of the decentralized blockchain server. And then because of this, authorities are in control. Your identity is safer than whatsoever. And you can use that card to store some of the money, even like different currencies, even cryptocurrencies. We don't really care what it is. And you can use that to hotel, even to hotel. You don't have to do checking or check your passport, look at your face. It just recognizes one card and directly to your room and swipe it and get in. And ready to enjoy all the service around the city. And this is also very interesting in Southeast Asia because there's a lot of casino city. Mm. They're going to use this and also make the digital money or digital backed money as their leverage or to take out the real leverage in the casino. So that's the, the, the most well-developed things at this moment in from North Asia, mid um, like East Asia to su- Southeast Asia, yeah. Great. Well, Jack, you're going to be at the uh, the startup launchpad, the Global Sources event in October in Hong Kong. I'll be there as well. Looking forward yes. to meeting up and having a, a coffee with you and a chat, a bit more in oh, depth amazing. about blockchain. <laughs> well, what do you want to sort of get across? You'll be speaking at the event. What, what do you want to get across in your message to the the crowd? I'm sure people are going to be interested in what you've got to say because you know people want to know what's going on and what's happening next is, is there sort of like one message you'd like to get across to the audience there about blockchain well if people want to know how the traditional value stream can create the new value and high efficiency come over to listen for the retail section about blockchain <laughs> it's all about supply chain and logistic and the value stream that's all <laughs> excellent that's a good enough call to go out there from Jack Tu. That's Jack Tu, everybody, the CEO of Funders Token. He'll be there in Hong Kong. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Jack, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for sharing Thank with you, us. Thank you so much. Your yeah, insights amazing. as well and your, your heads up on blockchain as well. That was really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.